if you follow the news closely, not too long ago, that I spoke to Scott and regarding the nation of Senegal, as we mentioned before, lately, those countries in Africa are making much greater noises. In this episode, let's shift our attention to another critical nation in Africa, which is Uganda. Well, in May, Uganda signed into a law by the president, a measure that expanded the country's current criminalization of homosexuality. Now, even so-called the promotion of homosexuality in Uganda today is illegal, and sometimes homosexuality can lead to execution. But on the other hand, homosexuality is criminalized in more than 30 Get this, 30 of Africans' 54 countries. Some Africans see it as a behavior imported from abroad and not a sexual orientation. But meanwhile, why does that relate to what's happening in the U.S. today? But somehow the politicians in America today got so ticked off because the Ugandas anti-LGBT bill. What is the relationship between those two? And how should we understand the military ties between the two countries as well? Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you follow our show, you should be familiar with our distinguished speaker, who is Scott Morgan. Scott has been the president of Red Eagle Enterprises since its inception in November 2012. He uses his military experiences from serving the U.S. military to address various projects. Again, he's expert on numerous issues, critical matters within the continent of Africa. Well, Scott, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. Thank you, my brother. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, Scott, again, it's a, I would say, crucial topic for us to talk about in Uganda. Now, before we get into this anti-LGBT or anti-homosexuality debate in Uganda, I think it's crucial for our viewers to understand the current relationship between U.S. and Uganda from this geopolitical and also this military relationship. I'm going to read something to you, and I want you to explain something to us. According to the research that U.S. officials have regarded Uganda as a critical security partner in East Africa over a decade, according to the Congressional Research Service, the U.S. Defense Department has spent more than $280 million on equipment and training for Uganda since 2011. Scott, again, you're the expert. Walk us through what is the relationship and what is the investment for U.S. government to train and equip in Uganda? Think, well, the easy answer is its location. The reason why the U.S. military has reached out to Uganda and it's, it's for two actions that they have taken in Africa. As in, they are one of the largest suppliers, I should say, sources of troops for the UN, for the African Union peacekeeping mission in Somalia, which is currently on being phased down and will totally end by 2024. Mm. And also, Ugandan for UPDF, the Ugandan military, are, is also active in the Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, undertaking operations against both the 
ADF, Allied Democratic Forces, which is a Ugandan original, Oregon, which is a, I, actually, let me rephrase that, which is a militia which originated in Western Uganda, now holding out in the Eastern DRC. Mm. And the troops have also been active against the M23 militia, which is which has resurged due to decisions made by the government in Kinshasa and have been receiving report uh, receiving support from its neighbor Rwanda. So those are the two key areas where Uganda Uganda is a very important partner of the United States. But Mio Skull, again, let's go back to this significant number. Again, the U.S. Defense Department has spent more than $280 million on equipment and training for Uganda. We know that the budget for overseas spending is crucial, particularly for United States of America. But meanwhile, we shall see, or we should be able to see, some effective results or some effective measures after seeing the spending or after pouring the money into the country again scott so far based on the spending and also based on the investment have we seen any productive or any fruitful results that based on what you just described so in other words is the united states actually wasting the money for training and also for uh, uh, offering or maybe perhaps the polishing the equipment in Uganda, is it time for U.S. to change or shift its strategy in Uganda? That may be too early to tell. One of the questions is, will you, could Uganda benefit from new leadership? Mm. Uh, as you know, President Museveni is now one of the longest tenured leaders in Uganda and everybody focuses on the role relationship between the UPDF and the US military but and however there have been a couple of interesting moves regarding that first regarding the NDAA which is pre the National Defense Authorization Act which is a new term for the U.S. defense budget. Mm. As you know, there are now two competing versions of that legislation. The House version, there's a version in the House which has some measures in it domestically about LGBT issues. And then the Senate has a version which does not have any of those issues. So that will go into a conference committee where both the House and the Senate will hammer out a deal to see what the defense budget will look like before it gets sent to the White House for signage. Mm. But most people focus on the security relationship. But also recently, there have been two, two, two other issues that have risen to the forefront that people, especially those who are faithful, should be concerned about. Mm. First is earlier this week in The Hague during the International Criminal Court held as held I should say they gathered evidence regarding an investigation. They are investigating Uganda for the activities and the crackdown and torture of supporters of the political opposition 
including Bobby Wayne. Mm. As you know, earlier this week, you know, testimony was collected, and even the president, President Museveni's supporters are like, "Yes, we agree that the we 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 agree with this effort." However, and we hope that those who are the actual perpetrators are brought to justice. But also under the radar is another concern which very few in the media have been talking about. There has been a there has a problem been a problem over the last 24 36 months within Eastern Uganda. We are seeing a pattern of evangelists being attacked promoting Christianity and having people convert from Islam to Christianity. Mm. These people have been attacked by mobs, including their own family members. Mm. There has been a reluctance by the Ugandan police to investigate these crimes, incidents, or even prosecute anyone. There has also been a reluctance to for the these incidents to make it and make it into the twenty four hour news cycle. Mm. Most of the the times this information comes out is through the activities of Christian media outlets. This issue is overshadowed by other concerns regarding Uganda, whether it's the activities around the election cycle. And other other concerns is that people focus solely on the LGBT the anti LGBT law, mm. which if you read it, it's very similar to a law that Russia passed a couple of years ago. That is a relation the relationship between the son of President Museveni, who was also being the target of the investigation by the ICC, with the Russian army, that should be a concern. He has actually offered to send Ugandan troops to Moscow to defend against the push that Wagner made. And he's also willing to, his actual term used was to defend against the imperialists. Mm. Which, that also, that rationale will also explain why the anti-LGBT law came into force. This is not, and also, we should also remember this is not the first time we saw this in Ugandan politics. Back in, I believe it was 2005 and 2006, there was a similar crackdown against the LGBT community. Mm. There was a magazine there called Red Pepper, and somehow they received the mugshot of those arrested for LGBT offenses. And their mugshots were placed on the cover of the magazine. Mm. And to see this happen eight, within two, two decades, it shows that it could. This could actually be a distraction because at that time, the main the main boogie boy against the Museveni government was Joseph Kony and the LRA, and so and, and that could. So then you have to wonder: is is what? Is the anti-LGBT law a distraction against some of the other concerns? Mm. The role of the the Ugandan military in the Eastern DRC. We know that there has not been any Ugandan troops mentioned in the 
caught up in the end uh, in the recent offensive by Al Shabab in Somalia yet. The operative word there is yet. We know that the Al Shabab has attacked uh, Kenyan, Ethiopian, and even tried to attack American troops already mm. twice within the last week. So it makes so with the anti-LGBT law, and then you have these other issues regarding the ICC investigation and the complete overlook of what's happening to the Christians in the eastern Uganda. So that although the anti-LGBT law is a good way to draw focus onto Uganda, although it may not be for the reasons that they should. It's a good mechanism to use. Hmm. Scott, I want to get our conversation started on this anti-homosexuality bill, or what we called anti-LGBT bill. Again, one simple question that we have to talk about is: this seems to be a one domestic issue, not an international topic. But meanwhile, according、yes. to the article that you share with me. The politicians in the U.S. today are get so angry about what's happening in Uganda, especially towards the anti-LGBT community in this country. Again, the law signed in May, particularly targeting for the LGBT community in Uganda. But one thing that boggles our mind, or one thing that I don't quite understand, is. Why is this a reason for the U.S. perhaps stop the funding or stop the investing for Uganda? So, in other words, what is the correlation between the LGBT community in Uganda and also the LGBT community or advocate in the U.S.? Why does the U.S. politician care so much about what's happening in Uganda today? Is this actually only about? Uh, the violation of human rights, or is this only about this? I guess what we called、uh, economic partnership or political alliance, or whatever you call it. So again, let's get to the root of this. What is the relationship? I would say that this is actually a policy goal of the Biden administration.、Mm. Because you know the Biden administration has a reputation of being. Friendly to the LGBT community,、mm. and this is a case where the State Department and others within the executive branch could. This could be a way for for that side to hold them accountable for stated goals of the administration, because the Biden administration has promised, if necessary, he will at the appropriate time they will levy levy sanctions. During, as I in the recently voted on NDAA, there was an attempt by several L, members of Congress who are LGBT, who actually wanted to attach a rider or an, or which is an amendment to the NDAA, requ- requiring that the U.S. suspend military assistance to Uganda over the anti over the anti LGBT bill.、Mm. We have. I have not seen any reporting about about that language being accepted into the NDAA. But there was 
pro-LGBT language for the domestic part in the U.S. regarding that bill. So that has gotten covered. So, and you know, and that is a victory. If it survives, will be a victory for the for the White House and not for Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, mm. as some people mm. are believing. So this is also it's partly, and as we as you said earlier, this is also a domestic Ugandan issue. But addressing this is also a domestic is an issue within the Democratic Party within here in the U.S. Mm. And and if I can actually do a little bit of foreshadowing, there has been a similar legislation introduced in Kenya as well with similar language. <clears throat> It hasn't been brought up to a vote yet. It hasn't had the first reading yet, although plans are in place to do that. Mm. So, and that will act, this will actually place more pressure on the State Department and the White House because could, will, I mean, this, that raises interesting questions. Could, could there be a different response to how Kenya does the legislation as opposed to Uganda? You know, Uganda has a traditionally better relationship with Russia than Kenya does. Kenya has always had a better relationship with the U.S. So, in the long run, that could actually play place an increased pressure on the on the U.S. about how it handles. If the, if the reaction to what Uganda did is different than what what could actually happen in Kenya, you know, that would actually then we'll start seeing cause of the Biden administration being hypocrites again. Mm. Scott, two more questions before letting you go. Let's talk about, again, something you mentioned previously regarding the religious conflict, particularly related to the Christians and evangelicals in Uganda. Now, I want to read something to you, and let's get to into discussion. Based on the current Uganda's constitution and also other laws that actually provide for religious freedom, including the right to propagate one's faith and also convert from one faith to another. But meanwhile... Muslims make up no more than 12% of Uganda's population with high concentrations in the eastern area of the country. But again, recently we've seen a lot of attacks purposefully that targeted for the Christians and also the evangelical communities in Uganda. Scott, what is the purpose of that? I mean, again, the constitution pro uh, protects the religious freedom and also understands the presence of the Christian community. Why are the Christians today actually being attacked or being targeted by other groups or by other religious affiliations? What do you say to that? And you, you also for you forgot one key point. Sometimes these people actually are having attacked by members of their family or extended family. Mm. And as you know, those who seek to leave Islam are not looked upon favorably by those who still remain in the faith. Mm. You know, and it's what's happening in Uganda, you know, we've seen in other parts of the you know, Middle East and Africa with apostasy and blasphemy laws and 
some place there are what twelve countries that actually make this a crime, and then I have it on the books that apostasy and blasphemy laws is actually a capital offense. Mm. And so you you don't you hear about this, you know, the lack of one of the things that also attract draws me to this is the lack of coverage. Mm. I mean, very few people are actually raising this issue. Except for some Christian outlets like Morningstar News, like Christianity Today, Christian Post. Those are the outlets that are actually having covering this story. Mm. You don't you don't see it in the mainstream Ugandan media, you don't nor in other regional media outlets. And it, it's almost like they don't want this problem to exist. And sadly, some issues like this, you know, they're, they're almost spiked, killed for a political reason. Mm. But, you know, the lack of investigation by the security police and the security forces is actually is actually surprising as well. You know, and, wh- and why does Islam, in most cases, make it so difficult for those to, for, for people who want to leave to to leave? That has been one of the great questions. It's you know, people you know, people being ostracized from their families and their villages. It, it's almost like to say they treat it as an insult mm-hmm. that people want to leave. Mm-hmm. Is it right? Is it right for this to happen? No. I mean, in some ways, this will make Uganda look like Pakistan, look mm. like Iran. The unwillingness for this to be addressed. We know the IC, you know, the International Criminal Court is looking into the elect the, the election issues regarding 2021. I mean, this has to be the attacks on the Christians in the Eastern part of Uganda have not even made it to the UN Human Rights Council yet. Mm. So it makes you wonder if there's an actual agenda at play here. What is it? And you know, what is it? Mm. Because that, because as you know, when most people talk of think of Muslim militancy in Uganda, you know, they refer to the Allied Democratic Forces that started in the western mountainous part of Uganda and then moved over into the DRC to take to take advantage of that conflict zone. Mm. But then, but then you also have to, you know, we're also talking about a part of Uganda which is closer to which borders Kenya. So, and we know Al Shabaab has also been active in Lamau and Garissa counties, which is nowhere, both counties are nowhere near the Uganda, near the Uganda border. Mm. But as we have seen in other parts of Africa with militant movements, acts that have actually been able to, to have cross borders with little or no interruption has Makes you wonder: Has ISIS, or Al Shabaab, or you know, or other militant movements, do they actually have a presence in Eastern Uganda that Western intelligence services and even the Ugandans are overlooking? Mm. 
that is a possible answer to this, and no one no one has really thought to take a look into this yet. Hmm. Because why would these incidents occur sometimes within families and the police do not investigate? Scott, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you the last question. Again, going back to this anti-LGBT community uh, uh, movement, or what we saw, law, that how much do you think that it could generate much greater noises among the members within the community. So in other words, are we going to see a way of protests? Are we going to see that under the social or political pressure from the U.S. and also domestically, that this government could actually walk away or maybe overturn the law? How much do you think is going to happen? Well, you have to, well one thing is, before President Museveni signed this into law, he actually sent it back to Parliament. Mm. So, and then... He asked for more amendments before they sent him a version which he which he liked, and then he signed into law. So that avenue, so that attempt to protest for the LGBT community, which, judging by how the security forces reacted during the twenty twenty one elections mm. and the ICC investigation for that, as much as they want to. They probably will not be master street protests because for the simple fact that you know, you know, yes, they are. There's an investigation into how the security forces acted there, and that investigation is ongoing. Will the government hold back about what how the protests are going to be uh, be put down? You know. That scrutiny right now could make it that the government would not react as brutally as they have in the past. But as we've seen in the past um, with harassment of journalists and others, including Bobby Wine, even after the 2021 elections, they probably don't feel the conditions are safe enough for them to launch protests. Hmm. And as for international scrutiny um, from the West, you know, they just may shrug it off, you know, and say, you know, we're more aligned with Russia. And because, and there's another fact that we should, about Uganda, that most Americans are not aware of, mm. is that Uganda in the past has helped North Korea break sanctions by distributing North Korean arms throughout of Africa. Mm. So, so this, so the Museveni government, although it does realize there are some instances where it has security interests with the United States, it does not always share some of the values that the United States holds dear. And one of them has is actually like are enshrined in the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. You know, freedom of the press, which is still an issue in Uganda. And of course, the right to practice their freedom, their freedom, their religion freely, which we have seen in the East is an issue which very few people are talking about, hmm. except for people like us. Hmm, of course. Well, again, Scott, it looks like the country of Uganda still has a long way to go. 
when we talk about again as you mentioned before the freedom of religion the freedom of speech and also how we're supposed to understand the value of basic human rights well again ladies and gentlemen it's my great honor to speak to scott morgan again scott has been a regular writer and also a contributor to the militantwire.com and also he's very active on social media and also, of course, that he follows our show and appear on our show on numerous episodes regarding the continent of Africa and also around the world. So, Scott, thank you so much again for taking your time and help us with better understanding about the nation of Uganda. And we'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to uh, follow and also monitor the progress within the continent of Africa. So thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> 